following message is from Christian Life Austin. For more information about Christian Life, visit clcaustin.com. Thank you for listening. Let's celebrate for Jesus. Come on. You're glad he's in the house tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. You can be seated. It is an honor to be with you tonight. It is an honor to be home and uh, my, my Austin home anyway. And uh, I, this, I'm kinda, I know I'm standing somewhere in the old sanctuary, basically kind of over on the side about where the steps were approximately. But uh, it feels just like Christian Life Church, now known as Christian Life Austin, to me. And I see so many uh, wonderful faces of some incredible people. And as always, I'm just honored to be here. Um, and again, if you, if you have no idea who I am, because you've come along in the last uh, 12 years, well, Pastor just gave you a little bit of a history. And I will say that Alicia was, was the female star of the choice for a few years, and then when she got pregnant with, I assume, uh, uh, Britain, it would have been looked a little strange for that sweet little Jewish girl who fell in love with a Roman soldier to be with child already, um, <clears throat> because that was a different part of the story of the choice. And so, uh, so, so Cass, Cassidy Johnson slash Wilkinson um, was actually the, the, the female star for the last, I don't know, five, six years or so. I am honored to have my wife with me tonight and my boys with me tonight. <clears throat> they, are, they are precious, precious uh, kids, precious boys, and everything that they do from leading in worship. Yeah, they're great athletes. They're also incredible, incredible ministers of the gospel. They lead on stage. Both of them will be leading on stage on two different stages in, at, at, in, all, in San Antonio this, this weekend, uh, leading worship. And uh, they do everything that they do for the glory of God, whether they're carrying a football or hitting a baseball or leading in worship. And uh, they, they, they picked all of that stuff up, so much of that stuff up, right here in this church. You have blessed my family. Um, and, 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 and CLC, CLA has left a, a legacy, le- legacy in my family that's, that's being lived out in my boys. And I'm honored to be here with my pastor, whom I still call my pastor and always will. I love the man of God in this house. He said, I'm like a son to him. Well, he's like a, a dad to me. He's like a dad to me. Are y'all ready for a little word tonight? Ready for a little word? <clears throat> All right. I'm going to start in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, and I want to, I'm going to just read a few verses, and Hebrews chapter 12, I'll start with verse number one, but this passage, I don't know even why, but toward the end of last year in December, it just kind of came alive to me, and I couldn't get away from this, and so we basically spent the entire month of January down in San Antonio at North Rock preaching through this text, and um, I, I, I want to share something with you tonight uh, out of this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse number 1 says simply this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, <clears throat> let us throw off everything that hinders. Somebody say everything. Everything that hinders. Everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 
Like, I have a race marked out for me. You've got a race marked out for you. And the writer of Hebrews is saying that we got to throw off the things that are holding us back from running the race that God has for us so that we can run it uh, effectively. Continuing on verse number two, he says, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus. How can we run our race with perseverance? How can I run my race with perseverance? By fixing my eyes. Now, I I could preach about that. I could preach about the fact that we have eye problems, that we have eye issues. We have eyes that need to be fixed. And I will talk about that a little bit in a moment. We we need to fix our eyes or else we'll wind up missing our assignment. And, and, And the reality is you need to know that God does have a race for you to run. That God does have a place that he wants to take you to. That God does have a forward that he's calling you to. And a lot of times I know when preachers say that sort of thing, we might hear it quite, quite, quite a bit, and we can assume that it's just hype, that's just hype. When, when I tell you tonight that God has a forward that he's calling you into, that he has a future for you, that he has a race for you to run, that's not hype. That is Bible. It's not hype. It's Bible. God is always calling us forward. God has always got some good things that he wants to take us into. Finishing on passage before I get started here. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. Consider him who, verse number three, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. While you are running your race, I want to fix my eyes on Jesus so that I can run it with perseverance and arrive at the place, at the destination that God is directing me to. God is a God of forward. And anytime God gives us a directive in our life, anytime God gives us a direction, the enemy always creates distractions. He gives us diversions. Sometimes he, it's, it's bad things, it's ugly things. I'm gonna talk about that a little bit tonight. Sometimes the enemy distracts us or diverts us with good things. But you got to understand that as I'm running my race, sometimes not, not, not every good thing is a God thing. And i got to learn to tell the difference between the good things that keep me from where God is wanting to take me to and, and, and the actual God things. So, so, so Alicia and I, some years ago, some years ago, we're, we're on a cruise. And I don't know if we've got any cruise lovers in the house, but Alicia and I are cruise people. Any cruise people in the house? You love a good cruise? When are, when are they going to launch those boats again? I mean, we wanted to take a cruise this year, and so far, no luck. But we love cruises, and, and I don't know what it is about cruises, but somehow every cruise in the world stops in Cozumel, Mexico. I don't know how that is, but they all swing by. You could be taking a Mediterranean cruise. They're going to swing by. Cozumel. We take it on a last cruise. Somehow you're going to wind up in Cozumel. I don't really know how that happens. Um, but, but, but so we, we'd stopped in Cozumel on so many different cruise stops that we thought today, let's do something different. We've done, we've done the normal things today. Let's do something different. And so we decided that we had heard people talk about mopeds and how fun it is to rent mopeds and, and, and ride them around the island. And we said, that sounds cool. Let's do that. Let's rent a moped. It'll be cheap. It's cheaper than renting a car, cheaper than, you know, paying for an excursion. And I'm always looking for the cheap. I'm always looking for the good deal. And so we got us a little moped and we put on our little helmets and we started around the island and you know 
for people who are like motorcycle riders, like this is no big deal to you, but I never was a motorcycle rider. I grew up riding three wheelers and, you know, then they added a wheel and now then four wheelers. Um, but I never rode things that had two wheels and, and an engine attached. And so I was a nervous wreck and riding through the, the traffic. Once we got back around into Cozumel, I was a nervous wreck. Some different things happened that day. We might have, might have laid it down one time we might have, but it was really all fine. After her leg stopped bleeding, it was really not a big deal. It's not a big deal. It's not a big deal. But here's what I did know. By the end of the day, I had made the executive decision based on experience that I will never, ever, ever rent a moped anywhere ever again. Like it just wasn't going to happen. A lot of people have lived just long enough to build a case against yourself. You've experienced just enough. You've made just enough mistakes. You've had just enough 2020. Come on, somebody. That, you've, that you're a little bit fearful. And that when we start talking about more and how God has some things that he wants to take you into, we're like, oh, no, 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 no. I've been there and I've done that and I don't want to try that again. I got the t-shirt. I'm not going back again. I want, you to, I want you to hear me now. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. You cannot focus on your purpose from an insecure position. You can't focus on purpose from an insecure position. And we deal with insecurity so much. As a matter of fact, what I want to talk about tonight when I'm talking about insecurity is what I think Again, I preached all through this in January, but I think this particular thing is the greatest weapon that the enemy uses to keep us away from our purpose. Insecurity. Looking at ourselves rather than looking at God. And you can't focus on purpose from an insecure position because I will always talk myself out of what God is calling me to. You know what I'm saying? I, I can't do it. I'm not, I'm not smart enough. I'm not, I'm not spiritual enough. I don't, I don't have the right degree. I came from the wrong family. Do you know who my daddy is? Like, I, I, I come from the wrong background. I've said for years, the enemy cannot take your calling, but he can shake your confidence. He can shake your confidence. Your calling was, is without repentance. Like there's nothing he can do about that, but he loves to shake your confidence. In 2020, and hey, let's just be honest, the first few months of 2021, because I, I about decided that 2021 is just 2020 with bangs. It, it, it feels a lot like 2020, you know, if we're just, if we're, if we're being honest, I thought things were looking up and then, you know, Snowvid 21 hit us and it's just the, what really? Is this really going to, but, but 2020, let's just say this, the last 12 months, because basically we're almost at the anniversary of the world shutting down. The last 12 months has shaken a lot of people's confidence. There was a lot of people, you came into 2020 thinking that this was your year. This is, this is my time. You know, 2020, this is my season. I'm going to step into everything that God has for me. And then you got punched in the gut, and then you got backhanded uh, in the jaw, and now your confidence is shaken, and you're having trouble with the idea just the idea that really God has something, you know, forward, like he has a future. I'm just trying to survive today. I'm just trying to survive today. What if I told you this? What if I told you that, 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 that insecurity, insecurity really has nothing to do with your ability or even the assignment that God is, is directing you to? But what if it's just a focus issue, a focus issue? 
And in fact, I want to propose to you tonight that the bravery and the courage and, and the resolve that you need to step out in faith and step into everything that God is trying to, to, to call you into, that God is beckoning you into, that, that, that the resolve that you need is just on the other side of some fresh focus, fresh focus. A lot of us have trouble seeing a future that God is calling us into because we're stuck looking in the mirror at our own face. We're stuck looking at our, at our own face and so we can't see the future. And mirrors are, mirrors are funny. And the, the interesting thing about a mirror is, is, is they, they do reveal facts. They do. They do reveal facts. And I'm not going to get ahead of myself tonight, but I will tell you this. But facts aren't necessarily final. They're not necessarily final. And I want to be careful not to get stuck on, on the reflection of myself that I see in the mirror when God is calling me forward. Otherwise, I can mistakenly measure my divine purpose against what I see in myself. And I will always, I will always talk myself out of a job. I will always, always wrestle with insecurity and live in a posture of insecurity if I'm just focused on, on the facts about me. I want to tell you a story about Moses, a man in the Bible named Moses. And, and if you've been around church for any time period, you know the story of Moses and, and the burning bush. Just to give you a little context briefly, it's this huge story, and I'll just give you, just give you a little synopsis. But, but Moses was born in a time when his people, the Israelites, were an enslaved minority. And they were enslaved in Egypt, and they were increasing in population like rapidly. And the Egyptian Pharaoh got a little bit worried about that because he thought that if they continued to grow, they might ally themselves against my enemies. And so Pharaoh decided to do something dramatic. He ordered all of the newborn Hebrew boys to be killed in order to reduce the population of the Israelites. And so Moses' mother, of course, finding out about this, she didn't want her son to be murdered, and so she took him and she, she hid him in a river uh, amongst, amongst the, bull, the bulrushes and, and the reeds and in the Nile. And, and interestingly enough, miraculously, as God would ordain it, Pharaoh's daughter came down to the river uh, to bathe, and there, amongst the reeds, she found, she found baby Moses. Didn't know what to do with him, so she took him back to the palace. And so Moses was adopted and he, he grew up with the Egyptian royal family. And then when he was older, of course, he was, he was a Hebrew, but he was adopted and grew up in the Egyptian royal family. But when he was older one day, it really bothered him how, how the Egyptian you know, slave drivers were treating his blood kin, his blood relatives, the Hebrews. And one day he saw an Egyptian slave master beating a, a Hebrew. And in his anger, he struck the Egyptian and he killed him. And so Moses started, to, he decided, I've got to flee for my life. And so he fled, and he fled across the Red Sea into a desert place called, called Midian. And, and he, he was a fugitive there for some 40 years, just raising sheep, trying to get by, afraid for his life, running essentially for his life. And this is where he encountered this, this unique uh, uh, happenstance whenever he was in the desert one day, and he saw a bush that was, that was burning, that it was on fire. And so he approached it trepidatiously, wondering what is going on here. And in Exodus 3, verse 5, God speaks to Moses and says, do not come any closer. In fact, take off your sandals for the place where you were standing is holy ground. 
The place where you are standing is holy ground. I love that. I love that. I love the fact that wherever I go, it can be holy ground. You know, there's nothing sacred. I didn't talk about this amazing building. All I said was that I'm in a, I feel like I'm in the old sanctuary, but it's not. Isn't this facility amazing? Would y'all make some noise for Jesus? Wow. <laughs> wow. I mean, I'm honored to be able to be here just kind of in the first few months of it being open and honored to be able to preach on this stage. What an unbelievable facility. But you know what? There's nothing sacred about the sheetrock and the carpet and, 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 and the seats. There's nothing sacred about it until you get here. But when you get here, it becomes a holy place. It becomes holy ground because we are the temple of God. You, you carry him with you. The place where you are standing, the place where you are seated, it is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Many of us have felt this way many times. I know I've felt this way so many times where I feel like I didn't even deserve to be in the presence of God. Some potentially felt that way tonight as you stood and there was worship going forth and, and, and the band was playing and the singers were singing and the presence of God is just moving in this place. You felt ashamed. Perhaps you couldn't raise your hands, but you've literally felt like hiding your face. You kind of felt like Moses did. Moses knew who he was. He knew what he had done and he knew that if this is God speaking, then I don't deserve to be in his presence. He was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them out of that land into a good and spacious land that's flowing with milk and honey. And then he looks at Moses, or he, or he speaks to Moses out of that bush, and he says, so now go. Everybody say now. now. Say go. Now go. Now go. Not when you've got your portfolio rounded out just right. Not after you get your Masters of Divinity. Not after you've finally taken that acting class or your, your resume is properly built. It's just right. Not, not after your grandma, grandmother and your, your cousins and your auntie has finally affirmed you. The scripture says, now go. Go now. And so Moses is at this unique intersection, right? This, this moment of destiny in his life, does he go back to tending the sheep? Does he go back to being a fugitive? Or does he have the audacity to step into the forward, the future that God is calling him into? That God, and, and, and when he thinks about it, I mean, he thinks about Egypt. God, Egypt? Like, God, I got some bad memories there. Some really, really bad things happened back. I messed up really bad. In fact, the reason I'm here is because I can't be there because of what I, what I did there. He's kind of at that intersection of his, of his, of, of, of his future and, and his failures. And here's what I found out if you're taking notes. The crossroads between my potential and my past is the place where I am most insecure. The crossroads between my potential, the future that God is calling me into, and my past, my failures, that is where I tend to have the most insecurity. Because, man, I am, I am keenly aware of my humanity. I'm acutely aware of my weaknesses and my inadequacies. I've wondered for years, pastor, I've been pastoring for 12 years and I've wondered for years, when are they going to discover that I got no business doing this? 
Like how long is it going to take them that, to realize that I'm not qualified? And I'll be honest with you, there's some that have realized I'm not qualified or they think that I'm not qualified. There is. I don't really care what they think. All I care about is what he thinks because he doesn't necessarily call the qualified. He qualifies the called. <laughs> and so... <laughs> And so they can vote with their feet and just, you know, just, just leave the building anytime they want to. But, but I, I wrestle with insecurities. I absolutely do. Absolutely. I, anytime I'm with a group of, a group of, of pastors or leaders, I can, I can be compelled to just kind of shrink into the corner. And so I understand this. I understand Moses feeling like I don't, I don't know, God, who you were expecting to show up at this burning bush. But clearly you weren't talking about me. And here he is at this intersection of purpose. And I'd like for everybody in the building to kind of imagine yourself tonight where Moses was this day. It was holy ground there, and it's holy ground here. He was in the presence of God that day, and you are absolutely in the presence of God here tonight. God was speaking then to Moses, and, and I believe that God is speaking to you tonight I believe he is giving you direction. I want you to imagine yourself in the same place. What am I going to do? And what's interesting is that Moses was honest. Moses is the author of of, of this this book that we're reading, a story that we're reading out of the book of Exodus. Moses was the author. And and, and I love it because he he, he says, if it were me writing, I I would have probably fudged the truth a little bit Again, I got issues. I got issues. I want you to think good of me. Um, and, and when God said, now go, I would have probably said, and I fell prostrate on the ground before the Lord. And I said, Lord, you lead me and I will follow. But that's not what Moses says. He writes of himself in verse number 11 and says, but Moses said to God, who am I? That I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. Who am I? Basically, he said, no way. Like, 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 not me, God. And we do the same thing. We do the same thing when God says, go. We say, no. We say, I can't. I mean, you got, you, you got the wrong guy. God, I don't know who you think you're. Were you talking to this person over here or the person in front of? There's no way you were actually expecting me to walk up to to the burning bush today. You want me to lead a small group, God? No, 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 there's no way. You want me to teach teach kids ministry here at CLA? God, no, no, I'm not not qualified. I don't don't even know how to forget spelling Ecclesiastes. I don't even know how to spell Job. I don't don't know anything about the Bible. There's there's no way, God, I'm you want me to lead a freedom group, God? I mean, I don't even have freedom myself. How could you be wanting me? We, we tend to look at our purpose, don't we, from a position of insecurity, from a position of insecurity. But I've kind of already told you tonight, but if you take a note, you can write it down this way. Insecurity is a byproduct of misplaced focus. Misplaced focus. We're looking at the wrong things. I'll never forget the first time that I slipped on a pair of polarized sunglasses. As a matter of fact, the culprit who wanted me to try polarized sunglasses was none other than Pastor Johnson's son-in-law, Mr. Damon McNicholas. We were standing uh, at a, at a, beside a, a kid's baseball field out at Oak Hill, and I remember where I was standing. And Damon walks up and says, hey, bub, hey, bub, I just got these new sunglasses. Hey, bub, try these on. You got, you got to look through these, bub. You got to look through these. You got to look through these. 
Y'all know him. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm like, okay. I've always been the gas station sunglass guy. I buy, I buy gas station sunglasses. You know, they cost $8, sometimes $6. I'm going to sit on them anyway. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave them at the ball field or I'm going to leave them some. I'm going to lose them. And, 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 and when he put those like real legitimate polarized sunglasses on my face, it was like, ah! I mean, the, 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 the colors were so vibrant and the beauty was amazing. The, the, the field was so much clearer. There was, there was no, there was no glare. It was, it was the most amazing thing. And, and all of that color and all of that brilliance seemed to shout at me. You know, I've been here all along just waiting on you to notice me, waiting on you to look through the right lens. Let me, let me, let me, let me tell you, let me tell you. Oh yeah, come on. Let me tell you how, how polarized sunglasses work. They, they, they're, they're actually, you may know this, you may not, but there are vertical and horizontal lines of light, and the polarized lens eliminates the horizontal lines, which in turn cuts out 100% of reflected light. And so, so the distortion is eliminated, and it allows you to see what's behind or beyond the glare, beyond the glare. So many times in our life we struggle to see God's assignment clearly because of the glare of the facts about ourselves, the distortion that we see in the mirror. But even though the facts about you might be accurate, hear me tonight, they are not the final authority about you. He is. He is. You want to talk about facts about someone? Then let's just talk about Moses for a minute. This man that God is using to, to, help, to, to help lead the greatest jailbreak in the history of the world. This man that God is using to, to, to help set up uh, the, the, you know, what we are still part of today. This man that is, is anointed and, and, and has all of this authority. And, and there's, there, there's some unique things about him. Moses, Moses was actually, as I've told you, he was, he was a murderer. That's, that's a fact. That's a fact. Now, to a lot of us, he'd be disqualified. You need somebody to paint your house? You're probably not going to call the murderer. He had anger issues, right? He had anger issues. You need somebody to take care of your kids, babysit your kids? You're probably not going to call the dude with anger issues. They got so mad he hit somebody and they died, right? He's disqualified. He's a fugitive and had been for 40 years for 40 years, if you need your dryer fixed, you're probably not going to call the guy that's been on the lamb running from the law for 40 years, right? He had a speech impediment. That wasn't just a past fact. That was a, that was a present fact. So we're not talking about things that Moses had issues with just in his past, but he has issues in his present. He was over 80 years old. Some people might think you're disqualified because of your age. I just want to come against that tonight. There's some people that think they're disqualified because they're too young. When the scripture said, despise not thy youth. There's some people that think you're finished because you're too old. Listen, as long as you got a pulse, you got a purpose. God's not finished with you yet. God's not finished with you yet. Yeah, but I'm going to let the youngins take it. Come on, you got some experience. You got some season, seasons in you that, that God needs for his kingdom. Moses had no leadership degree. He had, he had so many issues about his, his background, and, and he's gathering evidence against himself based on, based on facts, based on facts. Listen, anytime there is a directive from God for you, 
We have to be careful not to allow the facts about us to divert us. It's always easy to gather enough evidence against us to say why we shouldn't do, why I shouldn't lead that group, why I shouldn't uh, be an usher, why I shouldn't serve, why I shouldn't give. We come up with all of these reasons. But, but here's, my, here's my word for someone today. Um, you, you might want to write this down. <clears throat> this is a good one. Stop letting the facts lie to you. Stop letting the facts lie to you. Just because it happened in 1997 and your past dictates that you don't deserve that job, stop letting those facts lie to you. Just because your past says that you don't deserve to ever be happy again because of what you did in 2014, stop allowing those facts to lie to you. Just because the facts say you don't deserve that opportunity, just because your past says you don't deserve it doesn't mean that God doesn't want you to have it. Just because the facts say you shouldn't do it doesn't mean that God's not wanting to lead you to it. I don't consult my past when God starts talking about my future. When God says, here, I got something for you, I got to be careful not to say, but wait, but wait a minute, wait a minute, God. I need to go back and check on my past. God's like, that, that's irrelevant. Those facts are not the final authority. Accurate though they may be, they are not your final authority because my purpose my purpose is not a matter of fact. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith. It's a matter of faith. I got to believe it. I got I to gotta see where God wants to take me to. I got to stop looking at the facts about myself. I got to get my eyes out of the mirror, off the mirror, and focus on my God. As I run my race, I want to fix I want to fix my eyes on Jesus. I want to fix my eyes on Jesus. I'm here tonight to preach to your potential in spite of the facts, in spite of it. If God says it, then so be it. If God says it, then it doesn't matter what your friends say. If God says it, then it doesn't matter what your ex says. Come on, somebody. If God says it, it doesn't matter what the judge says. If God says it, it doesn't matter what your boss says, your employees say, or your aunt and uncle say. If God says you can do it, if God is calling you to it, then you don't need any affirmation. <laughs> I want to I step out in faith into what God is calling me to do. And so Moses says, who am I? Basically, he's saying there's no way. And what, what I love about God is he doesn't really even acknowledge Moses' whining we whine, and God's like, eh, eh. And Moses is thinking about all of the things that have happened back in Egypt. There's no way I can really do this, God. There's no way you can be. And God just ignores all that. That's your past. Those facts may be accurate, but, but I'm the final authority here. And God said in verse number 12, God said, I will be with you. I love how God speaks in future tense here. He said, I will be with you. If you will go, if you'll just step out and do what I'm calling you to do, then I'm going to meet you in the middle. I'm going to meet you as you step forward. I'm going to be with you. And this will be a sign to you, God says. This will be a sign to you that it's I who have sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, he didn't say, and then if, if, if by chance you're able to bring the people out of Egypt, he said, when you have, first of all, I'm going to be with you. And then when we've done this together, when you've brought the people out of Egypt, you're going to worship God in this, in this mountain. If you'll just leave here, Moses, and go. 
If you'll leave here, even though it, it doesn't make sense, and even though people looking at me are wondering, why are you going to start a church? And then after we started a little church and we're meeting in a school and, and we wanted to buy a building, we had about 300, 350 people coming to church and we somehow were, able, were trying to buy a building on 1604 right at 281, one of the greatest locations in the city. And people were looking and people actually said, you're never going to get this. And someone told me right in front of the doors of the building while we were looking at it one day, you're never going to close. No bank's going to take a chance on you. You're never going to close. It really didn't make sense until God showed up. There's a lot. Most God things don't make sense until he shows up. Moses, it doesn't really make sense for you to go do this. And it didn't until God showed up. But God said, I'm going to show up. If you will go, I will meet you there. I'll meet you in the middle. If you'll say yes, I'll meet you there. There. So what's my, what's our, what's our takeaway tonight? What's our takeaway tonight? Because I know that, I know that a lot of us feel, feel kind of stuck for a, for a variety of reasons. You, you might feel stuck because of, of addiction. You might feel stuck because of relationship issues and kind of some tragedies that you've dealt with. Some people might feel stuck just because the, the pandemic that just continues and continues and you just, you just feel stuck. You're mired. You're wondering how. How am I going to, how am I going to move forward? What, is, what, what does this even look like for me? God said, now go. Now go. <clears throat> now go. You, you don't wait until everything makes sense because most of the time, it doesn't. Most of the time, it doesn't. The priest stepped into the water while the, while the river was still at flood stage. But as they stepped into the water, the waters parted. As the lepers walked uh, toward the priest, then the, as they went, they were healed. So much of what God calls us to do, we just have to take a step. I just, when I was a kid, one of the things that my, I grew up in the deep, 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 dirty south. I grew up in Mississippi. I call it the deep, dirty south. It's not just the deep south. Yo, it's the deep, dirty south. And one of the things that we had lots of colloquialisms, one of the, one of the things that, that I would hear from time to time, I'd hear my parents say is, you better get to stepping, boy. Get to stepping. You better get to stepping. Some of us tonight, we just need to get, get to stepping. I don't even know where to start. Just get to stepping. But Moses, but God, I, I mean, I look at my, look at what we're seeing in the mirror. Turn away from the mirror, fix your eyes on me, and then get to stepping. Just get to stepping. Just get to stepping. Here's what I love about that, that analogy. Because if I'm stuck right here, say I'm, I'm stuck in unforgiveness. What a nasty place to be stuck. And God, is, God has put a future in front of me out there, but I'm stuck in unforgiveness. I'm thinking by not forgiving them, I'm keeping them in chains. But they're not the one bound up. I'm the one bound up by unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping I'm killing them, hoping they're going to die, but they're not. I'm going to be the one that, die, that dies. So if I'm stuck in unforgiveness, if I'm stuck in unforgiveness, uh, it's amazing. God calls me forward. I'm like, but God, do you know what they did to me? And I'm still not over it yet. And God's like, if you just get to stepping. So as I take a step, as I take a step towards what God is calling me to, I'm actually stepping away from the place that I have been stuck. You see, it works both ways. 
as I take a step towards, towards purpose and, and my future and forgiveness, I'm stepping away from the unforgiveness that I've been mired in. Some of us are kind of stuck in loneliness. The last 12 months have created a lot of loneliness. A lot of people who feel like they have nobody. They have nobody to turn to. I'm so glad to see all these wonderful piece, uh, faces in the house and those watching online. But there's so many people who feel like they're stuck. They got no friends. Or they might have some relationships, but they're, they're stuck in unhealthy relationships. They're stuck in relationships that are pulling them away from their purpose rather than propelling them toward their purpose. You know what God's got to say to you tonight? Get to stepping. Step away from those negative, unhealthy relationships and step toward healthy, life-giving relationships. How do, how do I do that? How do I, how do I do Well, there's so many opportunities. You can, you can join a small group. Life moves at the speed of relationships. Come on, you need some life-giving, healthy relationships. You can join the dream team here at Christian Life Austin. Get connected with some wonderful people. Start building some healthy relationships. Start teaching children, standing at the doors, helping people find somewhere. To, it's amazing how you'll build some healthy relationships that will actually propel you towards your purpose rather than those vampire relationships that I call them they're kind of sucking the life right out of you some of you are stuck there and God's saying you need you need to get to stepping some people are stuck in just under this dark dark cloud of of financial stress financial stress and you're living this you're living in fear as it relates to your finances you're you're living in this 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 cycle of scarcity there's never going to be enough there's not enough there's not enough to go around and god said if if you'll just do it my way and you'll just get to stepping if you'll just get to stepping and start with the tithe the tithe the tithe that 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 10% you start with that 10% if you'll do that then i'll meet you there i'll meet you the once i see that you can be trusted Oh, then I'm going to show up and there's going to be some blessing. Windows of heaven going to open up, pour out blessings on you that you can't contain. As you step toward the future that God is calling you into, you're stepping away from the junk. Some are stuck in addiction. Some are stuck in sin. Some are stuck in a, in a dark place. And you're wondering if there's any way you're ever, ever, ever going to be able to get out of this. I want you to know that there's a God who's calling you into freedom tonight. He's calling you out of the sin. He's calling you out of the addiction, out of the bondage. He's calling you into freedom. But where do I, where do I start? You just get to stepping. But I, got, but I got so many questions about God. Hey, 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 hey. I'm 48. I'm getting old, y'all. 48. I've been serving Jesus my whole life. I was filled with the Spirit when I was eight years old. So I'm a good 40 years into this thing. I still got questions about God. I still got questions. We are always going to have questions. That's why we're talking about faith. That's why I want to get away from the facts. I got to have facts. I got to have, no, no. I want to get away from the facts and I want to step out in faith. I want to step out in faith. I want to believe that I can have freedom, that there is freedom for me, that he who the son sets free, he is free indeed, that God really does have freedom that he wants to bring me into. I got to get to stepping. I got to get to stepping. What is it? What is it for you tonight? What is it for you tonight? All over the building, would you close your eyes? Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you tonight. Lord Jesus, I thank you for speaking to us tonight.
I thank you for your word, Lord, that is so sharp and so powerful and so effective. I thank you for speaking to dads and to moms, to teenagers, Lord, to young adults, Lord Jesus, to the single individuals in the room. Thank you for, for talking to us. I pray, God, that you would give us the courage, that you would give us the resolve to change our focus, to stop looking in the mirror and to start looking at you. God, to fix our eyes on you so that we can run the race that you have placed before us, so that we can, so that we can arrive at the destination that you are calling us into, Lord Jesus. I pray for, I pray for some older individuals in the room tonight, God. I'm not going to name numbers, but, but those who kind of feel like that they are too old. God, I pray that you would help them to sense, Lord, that you are not finished with them yet, that they still have purpose, that they still have a reason, that, Lord, you still, you still have a calling on their life. I pray for young individuals, those who feel like they're too young. I've discovered there's never a perfect age. We basically always either feel like we're too young or we're too old. I think that's a trick of the enemy. That's insecurity. And we can't focus we can't focus on our purpose from an insecure position. So, Lord, I bind insecurity in Jesus' name tonight. I bind it in Jesus' name, and we cast it out. Lord, I, I, I release, God, your purpose, and I, I, I release healing and, and direction and guidance, Lord, and strength and courage and boldness by the power and the authority that is in the name of Jesus, that is in the name of Jesus. God, in those individuals who feel like they are stuck tonight in sin, are stuck in a broken place, they feel like they are stuck, God, in a, in a place where they are bound and they, they just can't get out. Lord, I want to declare freedom over them in Jesus' name. God, you're calling us to freedom. You're calling us to be free. You're calling us to a place of purpose. No matter how messed up our world is, no matter how, how bad we have been, the scripture says your hand is not shortened that it cannot reach us. No matter how deep we've fallen, no matter how messed up we feel or how bad we feel about ourselves, help them to know, help them to sense that you accept them and that you love them just like they are and that you love them too much to leave them that way. And that you are calling them out of that place, whatever it is, where they are stuck. You are calling them out in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Give us the courage and the audacity to just get to stepping. In Jesus' name. Come on, would you say amen all over the building? Would you clap your hands for Jesus? Come on, yeah.